is uh, today's message is on you version already. So by the way, all the verses are there. So we encourage you to have this app. It's just a, a way to do that. And we want to encourage you to look at that. So uh, there you go. So for those of you that need that, you can go ahead and make that happen. So let me, uh, let me do this and then we should be good. There we go. So basically what's happening is, is that I'm encouraging you to go through this reading plan. And at the end of each of those weeks, I am going to come back and we are going to then wrap up that series, which is what I'm doing. Tim, by the way, did a phenomenal job last week of just kind of getting us ready for Hebrews. Talked about who the author who we don't know who it is, uh, could have been all those fun things. And then it's date and then took over like the, the 30,000 foot view. And then each week we're going to break this down. And again, this whole series is called Jesus is Greater. And by the way, there is no other uh, section uh, that, will, that will get into that than this one right now. Let me pray for you and let's jump in. Heavenly Father, your word is living and active. May it become so today in our lives. May it mess with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So with that, my encouragement to you is we are going through this book of Hebrews, and it is an interesting book. Uh, The reason why it's an interesting book is it starts off like this. Their lives have just gotten changed if they are a Hebrew. Let me explain that. This is written to who? Hebrews. Jews, right? who, by the way, have been holding on to their lineage, their bloodline, who their father was. That has been defining them. And then Christianity comes along and Jesus goes, hey, it's no longer about your bloodline. It's about faith and it's about this person, Jesus. And so this book is written to say, hey, some of the things that you've relied upon, some of the things you've given kind of significance to, Jesus is greater. And as he is greater, he is going to call you to something greater. And so in doing so, the book of Hebrews starts out with, look, let's just get into this Jesus guy. Let's find out why he is greater. Let me tell you something. There are some of you today that are still on this journey. They're saying, okay, what about faith? What about Jesus? What about these things? Listen, learn Jesus. Don't get caught up in the church stuff. Don't get caught up in all the politics stuff. Learn Jesus. Jesus will lead you through this place to find out who he is and how do you function. Because I'm telling you, the idea is is that we can miss him trying to find him. Because we get missed, we can miss him because we think it's about doing things or think about showing up on time or all that. No, it's about him. So let's look at this. This is Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Tim started us off this week. I'm going to read it again. Long ago and at many times... And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God has always been in dialogue about what was going to happen and spoke to there would be a time, this thing called the Messiah. So many times and in many ways, our father has spoken to us by the, fa- by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You're not getting this secondhand through a prophet. You are getting this by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, though whom also he created the world. Okay? So you need to know that what he's saying is, this Jesus, this Jesus is his son, but he's not just a son. He was there in the beginning. Let me show you scripture where that comes from. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, Word, is the name for Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. Listen, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So it's not just that he's a son. It's also he created all of this. This is his creation. And so as he speaks, look, yes, the prophet spoke, but listen, they all were speaking about the son. And we're all were pointing to the son. Let's go back to Hebrews, verse 3. He is the radiance, listen to me, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Listen, when you study Jesus, when you watch him speak to people, when you see him handle people like the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery, or people who are blind, or people lame. When you watch him, you get an imprint of how God wants to speak and wants to talk. And by the way, it's, it, it's, it's like we are just getting this understanding of God by watching the nature of Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God. And what's interesting, when you see Jesus come on the scene and he begins to teach, one of the things that is a constant is that you will get them saying, with what authority and power does he speak? Because there's something coming out of him. They were like, he's different. He's not like the other past teachers. He's not like the other rabbis. There's something significant because they were experiencing the radiance of the glory of God. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for his sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay? So that purification was himself. He let himself be the sacrifice, and when he raised from the dead, he took his seat to the right hand of God. And by the way, he's not sitting back watching everything unravel. He is every second fighting for you. Fighting for you. Advocating for you. God sees what I've done. And Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, I know he's, he's an idiot, but he's mine. Do you ever feel that? Like, guys, let me, we do stupid things, amen? And I know that some of you, that's a cuss word in your family. I'm sorry. But, but, but listen, he sits there and goes, yeah, oh, Jeff, but he's mine. And I, and I died for him. And my blood covers him. And he was washed. After making purification sins, he sat down at the right hand, the majesty on high, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you, or again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now, what is happening is, is that this is where the writer is trying to say, look, Jesus never said this to any of the angels, never to Gabriel, never to Michael. He never called any person on earth his son. But he did to this one because he is. He is the radiance of God. Now, the rest of chapter 1 is basically the same question. Kind of God proving his point. You know, which angel ever did God say this? The answer is none. He only said this about his son. To whichever did angel, that's what it does. All the way down to verse 14. And for time, I'm just going to jump us down to verse 14. 
Verse 13 says, are they not all, mis- all, so it's about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? And this is what he's saying. Angels have a job to serve you and I. To serve you and I. But the way that they get there is because of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Jesus makes it possible for them to serve us. And then we take our position above the angels because of what Jesus does. I'll get to that in the next section. So what he's trying to do is don't put Jesus down with the angels. Jesus is not down there with the angels. He is a son. And because of what he did on the cross, we then, through our acceptance, we get to even be higher than the angels. Let's look at this. Verse 1 of chapter 2, therefore. By the way, remember, therefore is powerful in the Word of God. If you read a therefore, that means whatever's before it, it's kind of the two plus two, therefore is the equals. If Jesus is higher than the angels equals, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. This is what he's saying. Angels spoke. But we got to pay more attention because God, God's son spoke. And if we don't hear him and take him seriously, we will drift away. We will drift away. We need to have this word that he has given us, the statements that he has given us, the actions of Jesus in us so that we do not drift away from it. Verse 2, for since... The message declared by angels proved to be reliable. Everything the angels said about Jesus came true. They're reliable. And every transgression or disobedience received its just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is where it's going for. If what the angel said was true, how are we going to escape if we neglect the salvation, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? That he would come and be for us the one that would take away our sins. If what the angel said is reliable, this is the math here, then we're pretty sure the things that Jesus said is reliable. And if it's reliable and he says, I'm the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me, we maybe need to listen. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. Verse Why God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So here's what you need to know. God kept backing this up with Jesus. Jesus didn't just show up and say, hey, I got some things to tell you. It was backed up by signs and wonders and miracles. Feeding of the 5,000, calming of the ocean, raising people up from death, having the blind see, having the deaf here. Those who had leprous healing them. Those who were broken, giving them life. He goes, look, I am God. I am his son. And let you know, listen to me. And this we do. I love again the paralytic. The paralytic, he goes, son, your sins are forgiven. But that you may know that I have the right to forgive your sins, get up and walk. 
Jesus backed up everything to say, hey, I'm not just saying this. I have the authority to say this, but so that you know I have the authority to say this. 5,000 fed. And people were blown away that he had that authority. Verse 5. For it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. The angels have none of this. Wasn't on them. They weren't the ones sacrificing. They weren't the ones that were going to lay down their lives. They are servants. For it is not to the angels that the God subjected the world to come for which we are speaking. Verse 6. Whoa, one more. It has been testified somewhere. Can I just, okay, I'm going to highlight this. Um, have you ever wanted to quote the Bible, but you don't know the Bible verse, so you feel stupid? When you have that feeling, go to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, and know the writer of the Hebrews said this. It has been testified somewhere. And then you get to go, I'm speaking scripture. Woo! So you're like, look, I want to tell you about Jesus. You're like, I don't know the scripture, but it says in there somewhere. You're like, I'm just doing what the Bible says right there. Makes me feel better about myself. There are those of you that can, by the way, I'm just going to admit something about your pastor. Uh, there are other people on staff that can go, oh, that's Matthew 6. And that, I cannot do that. I, you're going, wait, you're the pastor. Yeah, deal with it. I cannot <laughs> remember chapter and verse. I live by this passage more than you'll ever know. If you get around me and really listen, I'll be like, yeah, the Bible says that's my way to get around it. Because I can't remember chapter and verse. I can't. I know it. You can ask me questions, I'll tell you, but there was, but I am the guy, I am the guy, back when I used to have the Bible, I'll be in the concordance going, please God, tell me where this is. <laughs> Never feel alone, you're in, you're in good company. Okay, it has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? By the way, this is, by the way, that was a quote of David, by the way, which is funny. David said that, King David. What is man that you're mindful of? It's just this concept of like, God, you are so awesome. I can't believe that you care about me. And by the way, it says, I care about you so much. I know how many hairs are on your head or about to fall off of your head, which is my story right now. My brush is a beautiful mess right now. I don't know what happened. Pray for my hairline. Here we go. So you need to understand there's this place where we can go, God, you're too great for me. But, but this amazing God, yes, cares about you. To the things that you can't believe he cares about. You made him, this is Christ, for a little while lower than the angels. Jesus came to earth a little while lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor putting everything in subject, subjection under his feet. Now, I'm putting everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside of his control. So here's what you just have. This is a bookend. He created all things, but now that he has gone to the Father, nothing is not in his control. There is nothing you are doing that God goes, whoa, nah, you, you found a way to get outside my boundary. You can't cover that. Oh, you put that 
Ooh, you put those two sins together in that combination? Oh, can't figure that one out. I've had people argue with me. They say, Jeff, it'd be one thing if I was just this. It'd be one thing if I was just this. It'd be one thing if I sinned this way, but I did this, this, and this. God can't love me. And I'm like, wow, your God's small. There's not a combination of sin or actions that God goes, oh, well, that mixture I can't handle. He has control of all of it. But watch this. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, which means there's a whole area that we can't see that's still under subjection to him. We're limited. He goes, whatever you think he has, he's got more underneath his authority. Let me just say this as simple as I can. He has your back. He has your back. He's got you. Verse 9. But we see him, but we see him for, for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. See, that was his plan from the beginning. That was his plan from the beginning. That he would suffer so that you could have life. Watch this. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He comes and tastes death for everyone. So what happens is, and the reason why we have baptisms, and the reason why some of you need to think about it, of following through, is that is a picture of what he does. He goes, Jeff, I'm going to let your old self, the one where you thought you had control, and by the way, didn't do a very good job with your life, because I'm telling you, the person that screws up your life more than anyone else is you. Even though you act like you've got all your junk under control. Boy, we're really good, aren't we? We're good at dancing, going, I got everything under control. Don't look behind me. Don't look behind the mess. I got curtains all around, all my junk, but just keep looking over here. And then in doing so, he comes along and goes, no, no, no. There's nothing you've done. I'll die for it all. I'll die for it all. God gave me a vision one time of a yard sale of my junk. Can Can you imagine if all my sins was a yard sale? And you came through my yard sale. You're like, what's that? Oh, 1984. Well... Uh, do you understand what I'm saying? You're like, that's horrible. Yeah, it is. You want to buy it? Nope. What's this? 1992. Uh, It was a bad weekend. Can you imagine all of your sin out in like a yard sale? And this is what I know is that Jesus shows up in a movie van and goes, I'm buying it all. 
I'm buying it all. It's all mine. It's all mine. And he takes it from you. And here's the sad part. Is that we try to keep stuff in the closets. When we should let him come in and just clean house. So I might have the grace that might taste death for everyone. Verse 10. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist. We've already dealt with that. He created everything. For it's fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. This is a hard passage for me. Why did he have to be tortured for my sin? Because this is what it is. Jeff, you need to know every day your sin costs. Your sin costs. Now, I came from, listen, I realize that some of you are going to want to call CPA and my parents as I tell you this story. But they're in their 70s. Leave them alone. I used to get my butt beat for doing bad things. I know that's not PC today. But by the way, highly effective. And I know that none of you do that now, right? I get it. It was a, it was a, it was a t- day gone by when, you know, beasts ran, roamed the fields. But here's the deal. When my butt got beat, it gave some seriousness to the decision I had just made that was wrong. See, that suffering woke me up a little bit. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that again. See, here's what I need you to know. My heart needs to be that when I see the suffering of Jesus, maybe I don't do that sin again. Because it may not be costing me, but it's costing someone. It's costing him. And he's willing, willing, willing. Um, The timer broke. I have no much time I have, so I'm just going to preach until I'm done. Um, We had some friends over. They were called the Boys Boys. Their last name was Boys, and they had four boys. Just what it is. The Olders, so I think at the time this was like 14, 13, 11, and then there was like an 8, and I'm up here at 10. The older ones told the younger one to fight me. And the younger one, trying to impress, impress his brothers took up the challenge. We didn't have a beef. They just wanted to see him fight. Are you with me on this? Boys can be a little, especially the boys' boys, could be a little bit of an issue with their brothers. So I don't want to fight. Um, And then he hit me. I didn't know the verse yet. I didn't turn the cheek. So I hit him back. At the moment that I hit this kid, two years younger than me, my dad walks out of the house. What is going on? Now, here's, at that moment, I broke down in tears because I didn't want to fight. And I didn't want to hurt him, but now I'm in, that whole emotion of now I'm in trouble for doing something I didn't want to do. But my dad's embarrassed because... He's over, they brought these people over to our house and I just beat up their youngest kid. Does that make sense? This whole thing got bad quick. 
So my dad does. My dad, my dad, if you haven't met him, big man, he's about 6'4", two, I never got that gene. Football coaches wanted me to get that gene. I never got that gene. He grabs me by the back of the shirt and drags me into the house. Now I'm embarrassed. Do you see how the layers of this are going? And before I could say anything, I got popped on the butt. Does that make sense? But I'm bawling and my dad knows, wait a minute, you know when your kids cry differently than you think? Because when a kid is really like they've done something wrong, they, they cry one way. But when they're hurt and they're angry because something has been done that's an injustice to them, they cry in a different way. Are you understand? understand? My dad's looking at me cry going, he's not crying the right way. And he stops me. He goes, Jeff, what happened? Should have been a question he asked 30 seconds ago. (laughs) Him and I have dealt with this. (laughs) The the boys, the the, the boy, the the boy, the boy, bam, bam, right? My dad brought me out in front of the entire family. By the way, still holding his belt. And said, I need to apologize to my son. Bob, your boys talked your youngest into hitting my son. And my son defended himself and didn't want to be in a fight with your youngest, but your older voice caused this to happen. I just took him back him and spanked him for something that, by the way, he was in a no-win situation. Jeff, I am sorry. And then he handed the belt to me and said, Jeff, you can give me a spanking back if you feel like I am wrong. (laughs) Which, of course, I dropped the belt because I could not even imagine how that works. But my, listen to me. Do you understand that what my dad did for me? He redeemed me. He messed up. Everything was a mess. And he tried to make the best of it in that moment. Do you understand? We have a God that comes in and, by the way, wants to redeem you. And what... And by the way, all the things we've done that we deserve and don't deserve, all those things, he comes in and he goes, all beating comes to me. He hands us the belt. Do you understand what I'm saying? He hands us the belt. He goes, I'll take all the punishment. Are you with me? Verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified, which by the way means, means just makes holy. He, he purifies us. He, he, just, he just washes us clean. For he who sanctifies those and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Folks, that's what's happened, is that we're down here, and then when he died for us, he raises us up above the angels and calls us brothers and sisters. He makes us, listen, family. He brings us up to his level. Watch this. I want to show you. This is Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to the least of these, my what? Brothers, you did it to me. He calls us brothers and sisters. Back to Hebrews 2, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. 
Jesus goes, I'm going to tell my, your name to my brothers. They're my brothers and they're my sisters, and I love them. Watch this. In the midst of the, gener- of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Jesus comes and, bl- and glorifies his Father, glorifies his Father, and tells us, his brothers and sisters, how do we find life? Verse 13, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children God, I'm sorry, behold, I am the children God has given me. Again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children God has given me. Verse 14, since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. He then came down and partook in flesh and blood. Had those who turned their back on him. Had those moments where they were, you know, those things that took place. He partook. He came down to be one of us. He, he knows what it's like to be us. Listen to me. Some of you have come from some bad situations. His mother, probably till the day she was died, was called a whore. I know we don't like to see Mary that way, but not many people bought the I'm a virgin and got pregnant story. They just believe that Joseph and her hid the whole thing. I do believe that when Jesus was a young boy, there were people that did not let their kids play with Jesus because of what their mother had done. Jesus knew what it was like to be judged and to be ostracized and to feel like that no one understood him. Since therefore children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook in the same things that through the death, listen, that through the death, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. So let's walk through this. The children share in the flesh and the blood, right? He himself likewise partook of the same things that through, the, through death he might destroy Listen, the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. He is greater than the angels and he is greater than Satan. Jesus is greater. Verse 15, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Listen to that. And deliver all of those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Folks, we were subject to lifelong slavery of our sin and he has set us free. Set us free. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He was wanting to help you. We are called the offspring of Abraham, not because of my bloodline, but because of my faith line. I have faith like my father Abraham to believe that Jesus Christ would come down and save me. And because of that, I am set free. Verse 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. In every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Listen to that. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. I love the ESV because they don't take out the hard words. Propitiation, it's a big word. The concept is is that he became not only the sacrifice, but the cleanser and became the one that allows us to have access to God. To make propitiation for the sins of the people, he came and took my sin. 
He came and washed me clean. And he is my high priest sitting at the right hand of the God. And he's fighting for me. He's fighting for me. Finally, 18. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Have you been tempted this week? Have you been tempted this week? If you have, know that he knows what it's like and he's sitting with you going, I got you. I understand you. I'm with you. Now, Jesus is greater. This is how we're starting this whole series off. I want to say something to you. We're going to continue through this, and I am challenging you to get on the app, grab one of the papers, get online, and go through. We're having some discussions online. You can jump into that. Go on and just find Cedars Church and befriend us on that, and you can be a part of the discussion as we do this series. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Starting today, you go on to week two. Jesus is greater. The next one's called Entering God's Promised Rest. Entering God's Promised Rest. You start today. Here's why. It's the only one in the whole nine-week series. It's eight days long. I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have to man and woman up and do two in one day. You can handle it. (laughs) Maybe do it in the morning, in the evening. Break it up. Do one on lunch break. I don't know, but you're going to have to find a way to do two in one day. You can handle it. But it starts today. Go, because next week we're going to be talking about what does it mean to enter into his rest. It's a beautiful picture that the writer of Hebrews talks about. Join the journey. Join the conversation. Study beforehand, because I'm telling you, if you'll study this week, when you come to next week, you're going to know more about what we're talking about. Because you'll have already journeyed through the passage yourself. And by the way, some of you are like, I did the study, and you're talking about other things I didn't study. Right, that's how it works. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to you where you need to be spoken to in the moment in which you need to be spoken to. So, get into there. So, again, start today, grab the paper, go online, get the app, start. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to enter into God's rest. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you are greater. You are the greater salvation. Father, you are higher than the angels. Father, you are the one who comes and sits in our place. Father, you redeem us. You set us free. Father, you came and bought all the stuff in our cruddy yard sale. You bought it all. Father, let us open up our house to you and let you come in and take everything out of our closets and out of our basements and out of our attics. Father, cleanse us and wash us and make us new. Let us walk with you. And Father, when we mess up, you understand because you were tempted as well. And you forgive us and you give us mercy. And you still sit next to the Father and you say, he's one of mine. She's one of mine. He's one of mine. She's one of mine. And you'll do it every day till the day I die because you say, I am worth it. God, let us walk into that. I want to thank you for our baptisms that have happened this service. I want to pray for the baptisms that are happening next service. That, Father, that you would be lifted up. That people would come to you. And they would trust you with your lives. Not giving themselves to the church. Not giving themselves to some idea of religion. But giving themselves to the person of Jesus Christ. Who created all things. Did all things. And now sits down at the right hand of the Father. And says come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest. God I just thank you in Jesus name. Amen.